Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. VGK jumps on Winnipeg early to halt a Jets five-game win streak over the Golden Knights as the home team prevails 5-2. to two. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick. You could find us on Twitter at Tony Dasco, at TD Chris G, at Lockdown VGK. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Please subscribe today. And that is Locked On VGK. So, Chris... The Golden Knights responded well early on Thursday night as they built that early four to nothing lead, uh, lead in the first period over Winnipeg, over a leg weary team. It was kind of sloppy, a lot of turnovers early for the Jets. It was a five to two VGK victory at T-Mobile and it didn't take long for VGK to get started. Jack Eichel scoring twice, both goals coming off of turnovers. The first one was on that two on one break. It was three-on-one for a moment, and Riley Smith uh, feeding the driving Jack Eichel, who scored on the wrister as he goes top shelf. And then uh, there was some more turnovers, uh, the Winnipeg zone by the Jets, and then the second goal for Eichel, that came off of a uh, an errant pass. Uh, it was intended uh, for Appleton uh, by uh, Riddick uh, out there in front of the uh, the goal, and uh, he just fought, he just sends it right to Eichel, who twists and turns and then fires it home in that. And then also William Carlson scored, Chandler Stevenson scored, they tally goals. And then Jonathan Marcheseau scores on the empty netter. You were at the game last night, Chris. What were your uh, observations about this contest? So the observations were kind of what we talked about, Tony. The first few minutes of the game, Winnipeg had a decent uh, push. And then it it pretty much went the way you and I talked about VGK would, we wanted to see VGK have a quick response to the push from the Jets. And we said Jack Eichel needs to take over a game like this that might be a bit muddy in the defensive zone, a spot where Jack Eichel might find some space and an opportunity to do some things. It wasn't that type of night for Jack Eichel, but when he had his opportunities, he made them count. Of course, the two-on-one right away, right in the top shelf, just a beautiful goal. Uh, a couple goals later, Riddich, not sure what he's doing there, but... um. It's a gift for Jack Eichel, and the team did had an impeccable first period. It changed a little bit after that, in my opinion, but they had an impeccable first period, exactly what they needed to do against a team that was on the second half of a back-to-back off of it off a big win, an unexpected win. I'm sure they were a, a sizable underdog in the books against the Colorado the previous night. Uh, give credit to Winnipeg; they played a very good game. Take out that you know. A, not even the entire first period, Tony, just take out a few moments of this first period where the wheels came off for a couple odd man rushes and the strange turnover by Riddich. You you take those out of the game, and this is possibly a different outcome. Winnipeg also also almost did climb the hill yesterday, and I was really curious to see uh, how things were going to shake out and the mood of Cassidy in the postgame presser afterwards. And did uh, you had a question for Coach Cassidy, right, at the presser? How did yeah, I was um, I was curious about 
the second periods were kind of the same, not so much in the penalty departments, but the second uh, period in against Winnipeg and the second period against Calgary. Of course, against Calgary, the second period, just the wheels came completely off. But I felt they didn't do much better in the second period tonight outside of staying out of the last night, pardon me, instead of staying out of the penalty box. So the question was, how did what kind of message was conveyed against Calgary? Was it a similar message conveyed last night against Winnipeg? And how do you like the response of the team? And it seemed like he was actually somewhat upbeat about things. He did cite the difference in the penalties on Tuesday and surviving the period more or less versus Thursday, uh, just, you know, keeping your foot on the throttle, so to speak, and kind of getting through the game. So he was upbeat about it. He felt uh, the team avoid giving up a lot of great A chances, uh, mentioned a, a chance by Howden and just the fact that the team kept going. And uh, the energy last night, a uh, big boost as Michael Amadio uh, replaced Paul Cotter, which we could see coming. And uh, Cotter pretty much, according to Cassidy, said uh, he said that he leveled out, you know, in the previous game in Calgary. So uh, you could see a lot of energy that Michael Amadio brought. Yeah, correct. Um, I was standing with Amadio uh, in the locker room as well afterwards. I couldn't get, get one in with him. But uh, another reporter did mention, you know, what's the competition like? Is it a healthy competition? Are they pushing each other? And Amadio immediately complimented Cotter on what he's doing on the ice. And then he talked about, you know, his game and such. But I think I made a, one of my one of my 50 tweets last night or something like that. Um, I did say that Amadio is doing what he can to keep himself in the lineup and not Furthermore, not allowing uh, Cassidy to take him out of the lineup. And there's going to be attrition. Things are going to happen. But right now, I would say Cotter is, uh, you know, 19 or even 20 on the depth chart, uh, as far as the skaters go, that is, uh, depending, of course, injuries and what happens. If the centerman goes down, that's where decision will definitely draw in, I think. If there's a situation with a winger, that's where Cotter's going to draw in. And you could see Cotter getting some spells in the season if, if just one of our top nine is a little tired and things like that. If, uh, you know, Carrie or Colasar gets banged up. Um, shout out to line four. I don't know if that was in your, uh, in your, um, your docket last night, but you can really see that Cassidy turns to line four for a lot of reasons. After a goal is scored, here comes line four. Um, Coming out of a commercial break sometimes, line four might even get an extra shift depending on what's happening. But line four did a really good job of getting the puck down deep in the offensive zone. And there were multiple shifts where our line four, uh, that being Colasar, uh, Nick Wah, and Will Carrier, just control the puck in the in- for an entire shift in the offensive zone, just absolutely wearing out the other team's defense. And then that's where our top nine skill players come in and take advantage of a, a tired uh, team, especially if they can get them in a, in a long change or something like that. Winnipeg have the Vegas flu. <laughs> they got in awfully late uh, the previous <laughs> night, and then, you know, they came out. And oh, they had they time. did not play well early. I thought, that, I thought the VGK would score eight to ten goals at that point after uh, the Golden Knights went up four to nothing. But uh, true to form, I guess, you know, we see a trend in the early part of this season another lapse by the Golden Knights. Uh, they went seven minutes in the second period without even a shot on goal. No doubt, Tony. And like I said earlier, the second period, two nights in a row, it's a concern. Now, glass half full approach. We still almost got out of that Calgary game with a point. We were a post away from a lead with uh, under six minutes to go, Riley Smith, that is. And then, you know, it's tough when a team does – Get out to a lead like that. It's tough to keep the pedal 
to the medal when you have that four that four goal lead like that. I honestly thought Winnipeg scoring in the second was going to be a, a blessing for the VGK in the sense that it would be a reminder for them to keep going and keep pushing. And they did have some chances, as uh, Coach Cassidy did allude to last night. But I thought the second period was all Winnipeg all the time. It was tough to find a line. Even the fourth line couldn't do it at times. It was tough to find one line that was going to just turn the momentum. I think I put one mention out in the second period where the ice was tilting a little bit back in VGK's favor. But the second period was just very lackluster. And that's something that, you know, it's early, you know, and we're we're splitting hairs on a team that's 4-1 and one right now, which is better than you and I thought they would be early on in this point of the season. So, you know, it's an area of opportunity. And we got Colorado on Saturday. This is our second test, right, Tony? This is going to be yeah, the second sure. test of the season, as Cassidy would say. And but it's going to take a full team, 60 minutes. Another, Chris, another team coming off of a back-to-back. Okay? I'm just getting tired of this because Colorado will talk about it in our next segment, but Colorado plays at Seattle on Friday night. And so I don't know how good this VGK team is. And their first back-to-back uh, won't be until next week when they play Toronto on Monday and then Tuesday. Well, nice tail end of this, uh, San Jose. I don't want to talk about the Sharks, okay, as a Ranger fan. And Aiden Hill, you had a chance to catch up with him after the game. Yeah, no doubt. Aiden Hill, uh, super fun just to kind of talk to you. He was just smiling ear to ear. He's uh, loving every moment of uh, being uh, down in Vegas. I say down because he came from uh, San Jose, of course. Um, but a couple questions I got for him. One, uh, I was kind of playing off of um, the VGK interview there, talking about the goalie goal and stuff like that, and because he did take a shot. Uh, Aiden Hill did take an attempt well, at scoring a, a goal. I mean, that didn't, it didn't he took even an attempt. the blue line. He took an attempt and almost gave up a goal because he couldn't get back into the net. And uh, I had a couple members of the Associated Press, a couple of, I didn't catch their names, but, you know, they were, they were chuckling and stuff. And, you know, some good people around me. I was was actually sitting right in front of the Winnipeg Jets broadcast as well. So I got to hear their play by play the whole time. It was just, I was listening to the radio call for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I had, and, and as I had the TV on. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, so, Back to uh, Aiden Hill, a couple questions I got. One was about the goalie goal, if he's ever had one before. He's not had one yet. And then I joked and said, well, are you you going to go for one? Do you you anticipate getting one? And he chuckled and said, of course, and, you know, a couple of pleasantries. Um, But then I caught something, and I put out a tweet like, about this as well. It was in the third period. He took a shot up high, right? It was, it was, I could tell from where I was, it was like, like neck level or off the mask. Right afterwards, I noticed the official went to check on him, make sure he was okay. And then the next uh, whistle, he stopped, changed his mask out. So I asked Aiden Hill about that and uh, the importance. Remember, folks, I am a, I, I do referee a lot of uh, beer league hockey out here and stuff like that. So I try and look out for the goalies. Anytime I see any goalie, kid, you know, adult, anything in between, anytime they take a puck up high, that's beyond just something like a little deflection. I'll go and check on them right away, make sure they're okay. Sometimes stop play if I think it's warranted. So I wanted to get Aiden Hill's perspective on how he, you know, how he likes the refs looking out for him and stuff. And he was a very, he was appreciative. You can tell that. And the interaction was that the ref was asking him if he can keep going because the strap broke, but he wanted to make sure that Aiden Hill could keep the mask on until the next whistle. And that's what happened. Next whistle, he goes and changes it out. And uh, that was that. Okay. So how does Jack Eichel miss the net? The last hat trick for VGK, as they mentioned, I think on the telecast, I had so many casts going on here last night, Uh, 88 games games ago for the Vegas Golden Knights. And then 
Okay, so the Grand Salami, 12 games in the NHL last night. The over-under was 80 and a half goals. I had this vision on this show that Vegas Bjorn, William Carlson, who never, he, he just, it never ceases to amaze me how many empty net goals that guy does score. Okay, so we have a breakaway. I'm surprised he gave up the puck to Marcia, so who's looking around for Eichel. But, of course, the defensemen were, were closing. The defenders were closing uh, rather quickly on him. So he just pops it in the net, game, set, match. So it went over by a half a puck. It went over by a half a puck on the March or so empty netter because that was the last game of the night. So, Tony, I don't know uh, what you were doing. We have a new feature, man, the Grand Salami, baby. I don't know what you were what you were cooking in your in your place last night. I don't know what you know you were consuming and what had that that cloud of thought come into your head there. But um, you know, yeah, I made that a uh, wise twenty four dollar investment yesterday morning, so I I got paid exactly twenty two fifty for the podcast yesterday morning. <laughs> and it, but you got your money's worth on that one for sure. You know, I didn't know Tony. Scored, I was I, I would have went crazy if he scored on that empty net. Or I wish. So the reason we love sports betting or love opening packs of sports cards and all that, it's, or here you go, when you're playing craps, this is actually great. This is from the movie uh, Two for the Money, uh, De Niro, Matthew McConaughey. No, not uh, Pacino. Pacino, not De Niro, Pacino. So they're talking about gambling, right? You know, we're in Vegas. This is this is a valid topic, of course. And it, what's the rush when you gamble? And the example that was used, it's when you're at the craps table. It's not at the end of the roll when you win or lose or hit your point or something else. It's the moment the dice leaves the roller's hands and that moment from while it rolls down, hits the wall and the result is, is unveiled by, a, you know, the dice or the, the, the stick person making the call. That two seconds, one second, however long it takes for the dice to come, that's the rush of gambling right there. So where I'm going with this is I lost my sweat equity last night. I was trying to keep up with the with the totals, but everything happened so fast last night. Being in this was the first time I've ever covered a game like this, and it was, everything was so fast. Like it, the night was over that fast for me. It was over that fast. But I was trying to count the goals, and a couple times I put updates. I think we need seven. I think we need six. I need four, whatever the number was. I did not know at the time that I needed that empty netter. I wish I would have because I didn't cheer. I, I was good last night in the press box. I you know I, I tried to <laughs> do everything the right way, but I'll tell you right now, if I would have known that empty netter was what we needed. I would have stood up and cheered. I would have stood up and cheered. Awesome. Great job last night covering the VGK. And coming up next, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Colorado Avalanche come calling on Saturday night. We'll talk about that game. We have a preview when we return right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, we've got a big UFC card coming up tomorrow, boxing, golf, and the NHL. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn a lot more. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel today, Locked on VGK. And Chris, 
the Bednar blender is alive and well. He's mixing up lines, Jared Bednar. Um, and this past week, some adversity hits the mile high as we find out uh, that Gabe Landeskog now will now be out with a lower body injury. It's a knee for 12 weeks. And last year he missed, I think, 20 or so games uh, for the Avalanche. But they're shaking up the lineup. Bednar called his forward depth inconsistent this past week. Uh, the Avs come off of a, uh, uh, a back-to-back uh, as they come into town. Uh, as we discussed earlier, they play at the Seattle tonight. So three opponents of uh, what now, the six, uh, are coming off of back-to-backs headed to Las Vegas. So I'm guessing tonight, Pavel Francis will probably be in that and VGK will probably see Alexander Georgiev uh, tomorrow night, the Ranger outcast. Is that what? Outcast? Offcast? What is it? But in, in any event. Misfit. Uh, we call him Misfit. misfit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's very good because I watched him all season long. Last year, past few seasons. And so they lost the players in the offseason. Um, again, uh, Kadri. Uh, they lost uh, Burkowski. They lost your guy, Darcy Kemper. This is a much different team, and I think it's going to be an interesting matchup uh, at, at the Fortress tomorrow night. Uh, talk about a look ahead. Oh, yeah, someone used your line in the presser, uh, pregame presser, about, Coach, do you think that this could be a trap game against Winnipeg? Love it. Love it. They're listening there, Chris. But what are your thoughts on this uh, Colorado Avalanche team coming into town? I don't know. I, I don't think I invented the trap game, but I, I understand what you're saying. Um, so, I mean, honestly, tonight's probably the trap game for us, for Colorado and Seattle, I might say, because I got a feeling, um, you know, Colorado might be looking a little bit past, uh, Seattle as they come to Vegas. So that, you know, maybe this is a, an investment opportunity to, to, you know, throw some sweat on, uh, on the Kraken tonight. Um, Colorado's experiencing what a lot of Stanley Cup champions experience, and that's attrition, turnover, things like that, losing players via free agency, players that know they can go elsewhere and get paid, starting with Nazim Kadri, of course, who so famously, uh, the moment after he, you know, won the cup and got the first microphone in front of his face, he immediately announced to the world, I'm not a liability, which also says you're going to pay me some money. And, you know, I think that happened with a couple of players. And you got that, you got injuries, you have the, fact that now many of these players are first-time Stanley Cup champions. They had a different summer than any other time in their past. So you put all that into a blender, and that could bode for, you know, a rough 14, 15-game stretch to get the season started. And Bednar is going to do what he does to, uh, you know, keep the team uh, as ready as he possibly can. He's a Stanley Cup winning coach, so he's going to figure this out one way or the other, and he's not afraid to call people out kind of like, uh, you know, Cassidy is here in Vegas. Um, just looking at some of the results of the Colorado games, they, they beat Chicago five to two in the opener. Col- Chicago actually held their own against uh, Colorado five on five in that game. Not that there's a lot to take away from there, but what I am looking at uh, next night, back to back, mind you, the Avalanche lose in Calgary five to three. They beat Minnesota the following Monday, six to three. They lose to Winnipeg four to three. So outside of that game against Chicago, they've given up three goals or greater every single game. So they're not getting the early goaltending and defense. VGK is finding ways to score first in games and VGK is getting goals in, in waves right now. So this is going to be a tough spot for Colorado tomorrow night. 
there will be a lot of similarities to, I think, the first period of the Winnipeg game where Colorado, the first six or seven minutes, watch out. They're going to come hard. And then hopefully we'll find an opportunity or two to capitalize on. Um, I was listening to the pregame on the way in, uh, Millard and um, Ryan Waller. And I think it was Darren Millard that made the comment, this is a competitive scheduling advantage, alluding to getting not one, but two teams off back-to-backs in the same uh, in the same week of the season. So we need to capitalize. And the schedule will catch up. BGK is going to have their uh, share of back-to-backs throughout the season. And uh, I think later this month, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it'll, it'll work itself out. But for now, got to get points in the bank because we learned last year how important each individual point is. And that's something I like about Cassidy this year. After the loss against uh, Calgary th- Tuesday nights, you could tell that, uh, you know, it, he took it seriously. He took, uh, he wanted to make sure he got the team rights. And Cassidy will probably call tomorrow night's game the next test of the, of the regular season. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty decent sized test. Uh, again, in the offseason, they lost these players and they've been shuffling the lineup and the avalanche on uh, Thursday signing Dryden Hunt. So the Rangers put Hunt, or as Gerard Gallant calls them, Hunty. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> Dryden Hunt was put on waivers. And uh, in the interim, Colorado placed Lucas uh, Sedlak on waivers. They wanted to keep him. I think he's uh, on the bottom six, right? Uh, they wanted to keep him in the lineup. And so um, on waivers, Hunt claimed by Colorado, and Sedlak was claimed uh, he's a fourth liner uh, from by Philadelphia. So they lost him, and they had, again, finagle. Darren Helm is out. Uh, we talked about Landeskog uh, being out. I wanted to ask you a question here about this game. Uh, one of our listeners brought this up on our timeline uh, a couple of days ago, uh, this will be the first time that BGK plays Colorado since that Nathan McKinnon hit on Nolan Patrick, which a lot of folks thought was was pretty dirty. It was a fierce hit, and of course, we've not seen nor heard from Nolan Patrick since. So, do you think that uh, VG comes out and Nathan McKinnon could be a marked man here? Um, it's fair. That's the one thing about hockey players. They definitely don't forget and they don't necessarily take their liberties during the game when something happens, depending on the situation. Um, there's, there's emotion when that stuff happens, but there's also controlled emotion. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get hit, someone knocks you down, you, you take their number and you, you file it for future use. And that's fair. I, something I honestly didn't even think about until you just brought that up. Um, I hated that hit. I watched it a couple times and I didn't like anything about that hit. I felt the hit was late. I felt the principal point of contact was the, was like the chin area. If I recall it, he got right. He blew him up. I mean, call it what it is. He got right. He absolutely he blew rocked. him up. And I don't think McKinnon intended to make it a dirty hit. He's not that player. I want to be clear about my thoughts on McKinnon. He is not a dirty player. He does not play the game on the wrong side of that edge, if you will. But he's a very good player. He's a very strong player. He knew the situation. He knew uh, Nolan Patrick. And for lack of a better term, almost no one in the NHL can skate like him. So he definitely took, he saw an opportunistic moment and, you know, he shot a shot. And unfortunately, uh, now, a Nolan Patrick, um, I mean, it's not just that hit, obviously, but there's a lot of things that led up to it. But I don't know if we're ever going to see Nolan Patrick again on the ice, and that's unfortunate. And I know McKinnon didn't intend for that to happen, but, you know, when these things do happen, there there is a protocol, and you got to answer the bell. And, I mean, McKinnon's a tough guy, too. McKinnon has fought before. He's not, you know, he's not Patrick Kane in that aspect, I guess you could say. 
But that said, um, who? I mean, Key and Colstar gonna gonna go after him? I mean, I don't know. It's you know, will carry like who's who's gonna who's gonna do it? And is McKinnon willing to drop the mitts if someone does challenge him? And I mean, listen, if we can get McKinnon off the ice in the box for five minutes, I say we fight him three times if we can do it. Right. Uh, that second line is of concern in the Bednar blender, if you will, uh, for Colorado. So Nazim Kadri's uh, spot was taken by that 21-year-old center, Alex Newhook. Again, they're having some issues. That's why they're uh, finagling the lines and what have you. They signed Evan Rodriguez. You and I both thought that he oh, would be a good okay. target for people today uh, on the second line. And Nikushkin, I think, is also on that line. And then uh, they have, uh, because of all the changes, Arturi uh, Lekanen now is on the first line. He's on the top line now uh, with the absence of Gabe Landeskog. And, of course, they can shuffle him around later. Uh, this team's not set, and they're not playing consistent hockey. You know, again, to quote Jared Bednar, VGK's got a good chance, and especially coming off of the back-to-back. But I think they will see the number one goalie, Georgiev, in that tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, it's all fair, Tony. And, you know, Colorado's got figured out right now. Like we said earlier, injuries, uh, player turnover, and things like that. I don't know if there's a Stanley Cup champion that doesn't struggle out of the gate because it's very, it's very common. They all have to go through it. There's not too many teams that are, you know, $8 million away from this, from the upper limit of the salary cap that win a Stanley Cup. And then they can, you know, pay their players that are coming off free agency, acquire pieces and things like that. It just doesn't work like that. Most of the teams in the NHL are what we call cap teams. Of course, being uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, then that odd contract that Nick Hay got were basically a, you know, we maxed out the credit card, which left about 48 cents left in salary cap space. I'm sure if you look at Colorado, they're plus or minus $2 million, either upper or, you know, above or below it, depending on the LTIR situation and things like that. Everyone can't have the luxury of a team like Anaheim, who has like $15 million to work with, or Detroit really emptied uh, the, the checking account over the summer and acquired some some big pieces. So, you know, Colorado's got to figure it out. Everyone's going to be gunning for them because – we are just one of 31 teams whose coaches are going to say when it, when Colorado comes to town or when teams go to Colorado, they're going to talk about the test, right? So you're going to get up differently. You're going to react differently when you play the reigning Stanley Cup champion versus when, no disrespect to Seattle, but you know when the Seattle Kraken come to town, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different situation. Uh, T-Mobile will be an absolute party tomorrow night. It'll be an awesome experience for everyone that's going to be in attendance and it'll be a lot different. Although Winnipeg, shout out to the Jets fans. They traveled pretty well last night. Um, a lot of them probably uh, making the trip from Colorado and Vegas doing the, doing the multi-city tour here. You know, you heard them in the national anthem, uh, you know, making their presence known when they say true North and stuff like that. And, you know, Jets fans are always great to have in the fortress. And I'm curious uh, how many of the Colorado faithful will be in attendance as well. Yeah. Nice uh, Saturday night affair there at the fortress. I found something interesting. Uh, their second power play unit, right, for Colorado. Um, they have three defensemen playing on that unit, which is an oddity, I think, in the National Hockey League with uh, Devin Tays, um, who's pretty much the captain of that uh, power play unit. Uh, you've got uh, Byron Bowen. You've got Sam Gerrard. It's pretty interesting, you know, to put uh, three players, three defensemen, I think, on PP2. And I also wanted to ask you about Mark Stone now playing that bumper position. 
So two things. One, I'm, I'm glad you led me to that because I wanted to make a point about that that I saw last night. But uh, so that means now Colorado has four of their six defensemen participating in the power play when you Correct. throw Kale yeah. McCarr into that mix. So that's pretty uh, interesting. And that says something about the offensive ability of the Colorado defensemen. But um, I noticed particularly in the second period, they didn't, they did shuffle uh, both power play units a little bit from what I read. And there was two real good opportunities on the same power play. Uh, Stone was in the bumper position. I forgot who it was in the first and on the other one, but it was the same power play where um, basically a puck goes to the winger, a puck goes low to uh, someone not behind the net necessarily, but kind of uh, where the trapezoid ends. And then, you know, they shoot it right out to the bumper and hopefully they can get a goal off of it. And there's two real good back-to-back opportunities in the same power play. Uh, that said, you didn't see a lot about out of, out of the power play last night. And not that that's a concern by the way things have started, um, but a lot of shakeups are happening and, you know, we got Colorado tomorrow nights. You got to find a way to get those power play goals because, uh, they're going to be tough to score on five on five and every opportunity you get, they have to make it count. And I wonder if you'll see the same units again on Saturday night, uh, the same people in the same place or if they're going to move them around. But, you know, Mark Stone looked good. He had a couple of good looks, uh, on the power play and, um, things are moving the right direction right now, Tony. Coming up next, it's our latest edition of what the. Friday, WTF. We'll get to that when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Thanks for making Locked On VGK your first listen today. Now for your second listen, it's Game to Game NHL starring Chris Golick. Every moment, every top performance, every single result. Locked On Game to Game covers each and every game, including the Vegas Golden Knights, across the NHL with local analysis from Chris and others. And it's something that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NHL. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And so speaking of Odyssey, uh, tomorrow on my radio show, little shameless plug here, from 8 to 10, I have Rudy, Rudy Rudy. Oh, you know the movie awesome. Rudy? Of course. So Rudy, because UNLV football, travels to Notre Dame. I thought it'd be nice to have him on the air. And go ahead. You can start off with our WTF, something good or bad about the VGK this week. This is the city of entertainment. Other cities stack themselves up against what Vegas does. Other NHL teams are watching what the best production team, I think multi-years in a row now, what the best production team does, whether it's intermission entertainment, what they do between whistles and things like that. A lot of teams now measure themselves against the best production team in the entire National Hockey League. So, Tony, and I put this on our our feed, I think I did at least last night, between the second and third period, the on-ice entertainment was paper airplane races. They lined up three fans on the red line. They literally made their own paper airplanes in the tunnel. And they just, just they threw them, and whoever got there's the farthest one. The first one went down faster than I can't. I wish I had something ready for that, but it went down so fast it went like one inch. Chance goes down, puts his finger by it, and I'm, at this point, I'm like, okay, I got my, I got the video going, I got my own narration going. I'm just tilted at this point. The next person goes, and it goes maybe a foot and a half. And at this point, I'm like, okay, but now here's where it starts to click. There was a plan at least. 
they had someone out there in a Winnipeg Jets jersey to participate in the paper airplane throwing contest in an NHL game on a whatever. But so he's this person's about to throw it, and the Golden Knight happens to be standing next to him. Golden Knight like grabs him mid throw, takes the airplane, puts it on the sword, and you know you get a little chuckle out of the crowd. So there was a plan at least. Like this wasn't just something where they just did it and took a shot. There was a plan at least, but. That definitely earns my WTF. What the Friday for uh, the production crew doing paper airplanes in the city of entertainment. But at least, um, you know, if there wasn't the Jets fan, like if it wasn't planned out, it might have been a little bit worse. But, you know, it was, I get it. But what the Friday. She lost her youth and she lost her Tony. And now she lost her mind at the Copa Copacabana. It's the only place that I'm going to be wearing this new VGK jersey. The reverse retro oh, jersey. And I thought on. it would be like, I thought it would be like one of my cheap suits that literally was reversible. Like you turn it inside out and you get something on the other side. I mean, they took that uh, sword, that Mark AF, Andre Fleury, that is for you novices out there. Uh, the, the one that he was impaled with, they put that down the side of the, the pant legs too. I thought it was pretty cool. And then the diagonal Vegas, that's a different look. Um, I think that the uh, the ice girls are going to have to go around on the on the ice with black lights now so that we get the full effect of those glow-in-the-dark features on this jersey. I, I think I'm going to buy one of those jerseys to go clubbing. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, Beth Ann Jeffer, said the price of the new RR jerseys, not that everyone is $200 laying around. And then uh, another one we saw... Oh, I just saw the shoulder patch, and I do not like that. Why didn't they? Why do they have to ruin these jerseys? And that was from at Ska Mike. Everyone's in love with these new jerseys, the shiny new toy. Ah, I don't know. The jury's still out. I like them. I this is like actually better than I thought. Features. This is better than the reaction I thought that was coming, Tony. Okay, did you did you get a chance to see that jersey? Yeah, okay, so they, they had, had it um, in the press area. So not in the press area. I saw it the same way everybody else did. Uh, they showed their video that they did at Resorts World uh, during the third period, and they did show they had one of the jerseys actually inside T-Mobile as well last night uh, during that hype video, and it looks good in person. I like the I like the glow in the dark. I like what I like, Tony, and this isn't towards you necessarily, but. What I like is that it's blowing everyone's minds. They're freaking out about it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Glow-in-the-dark jerseys. How dare the NHL do this? How how does the 31st and 32nd teams in the NHL already have retro jerseys? This is terrible. That's that's what I love about it, Tony. I love it. I love it. It's great. Okay, so WTF on that. Uh, I've got another. Uh, Go ahead. I'll take it home. WTF. After that. Okay. Back-to-backs for opponents. WTF. Nah. There's no foliage here in Las Vegas this time of year, but there is a Bill foliage, a Bill Foley. And I think he's got all of these other owners and the schedule maker, whoever that might be, under his spell, under his Vegas spell. And I'm sure that he asked Gary Bettman and he called around the other uh, owners of the league and called in favors. How do they get three teams on the tail end of back-to-backs coming to Las Vegas, Chicago, how did I say Chicago there? Chicago. That's Chicago. a new way for me to pronounce it. Chicago, Winnipeg, and now the Avalanche. They come to Vegas on the back end. WTF. WTF. 
<laughs> what um not necessarily WTF, but just an amazing perspective for me last night for what goes into seeing all this. From the moment I walked into T-Mobile last night and seeing all the crew at ice level, getting things ready for the game, and then walking around press row. It's not just media people up there. You got you see the entire control room where they're doing all the scoreboard stuff and all that. And it's not just one person clicking buttons. There's nine people or eight people or whatever the number is in that room all doing things. You go by the replay room. You go you go by another room where the off-ice officials are tracking everything. Shout out to uh, uh, Eric and Chase and Travis and um, uh, Vinny, uh, Vincey, some of my uh, colleagues, my officiating colleagues I ran into that also do all work on, uh, on uh, the NHL side of things, uh, getting these games ready. You see all the media people. You got the radio people behind you and stuff. And you just don't understand what goes into producing an NHL game until you look around and just like you feel so small when you're up there, like you're doing your one little part and we have our, our lockdown segment that's growing now. I'm very appreciative of all that, but you know, just all these different outlets getting the games to you, getting the information out there, the people making everything go. It was just a remarkable, wonderful experience getting to see all that and in, in, uh, you know, in the flesh, so to speak. So uh, a positive WTF to everyone that's involved in uh making uh, the NHL and uh, the T-Mobile world and the Vegas Golden Knights world uh, all uh, all evolve, I guess. Okay, at J. Lee Bentley, six penalties in a period, in a period of hockey. What the, they actually said the F-bomb in there too on our Twitter handle. That's fair. And then, oh, guess what? WTF. I made the locked on newsletter. I, I have arrived. I did personally, yeah. My one-year anniversary at Lockdown PGK WTF. They the, said it would the overhit on that one, Tony. The overhit on that one. <laughs> they, said, they said they said it would not last. What do you have coming up, uh, hockey this weekend? We've got the VGK, of course, Saturday night. Are you headed to the game against Colorado? Yeah, well, me and my son will be going. We'll, we'll be we'll be fans for that one. We'll uh, we'll be fans for that one. I'll get the cheer for goals. I'm looking forward to that and. Um, UNLV is traveling. Silver Knights are out of town as well. So we we got VGK a Saturday and Monday. All right. Uh, don't forget, we'll have recaps of the Colorado game coming up on Monday, a preview of the Toronto game for my man, Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco from Las Vegas. Thanks for tuning in to Locked On Golden Knights.